you pursuing a natural lifestyle for yourself and your family? Are you concerned about the standard American diet and options available for healthcare? Are you curious about herbs for health or already practice home herbalism? You've come to the right place. My mom, Naomi Kilbrick, is a Christian clinical herbalist and owner of Lower Chi Wellness. She teaches simple ways to live in a more healthy way and to work with plants to promote and restore health. Welcome to the Family Herbalism Podcast. Welcome back, you guys, to the Family Herbalism Podcast. After two weeks away, it is my pleasure to return with the very first episode of the second season, a mini-series packed with interviews with some amazing people. And I am truly so grateful and excited to share this first guest with you because this person has made a big difference in my family's life and I know he can help many of you as well. Today's interview is with Dr. Charles Landry. Dr. Landry is a board-certified physician in neuromusculoskeletal medicine and osteopathic manipulative medicine and he is also certified in the subspecialty of pain medicine. He specializes in a variety of osteopathic manipulative treatments including several forms of injection therapy. Dr. Landry is a native of Maine raised in the Lewiston-Auburn area and is currently a member of both the American Osteopathic Association and the Maine Osteopathic Association. He's also an associate clinical professor at the University of New England College of Osteopathic Medicine and he runs a busy clinic at Landry Osteopathic Healthcare in Auburn, Maine. Landry Osteopathic Healthcare provides patient-centered care utilizing multiple modalities to assist the body's natural capacity to heal and enable the patient to become as functional and healthy as possible. Their goal is to develop a fully integrative and individualized plan, allowing patients to feel heard and valued and assisting them to become fully involved in their healthcare. But before I introduce you to Dr. Landry, I wanna share a brief story, a little synopsis of a personal situation that led me to him. Several years ago, one of my boys, Atlas, was accidentally pushed from the top of some playground equipment when another boy tripped and he fell to the ground, landing on his side and injuring his knee. Nothing was broken, but we spent the next few years in and out of the chiropractor's office, applying compression wraps, herbal compresses, and sometimes having to limit his activities so that healing could occur. His kneecaps would pop out, his hips would pop out, his ankles would pop out, and sometimes he was in a lot of pain. It just felt like his whole structural system was falling apart, and he was just a kid. This was just very frustrating. So at some point last year when he was 11 years old, I decided that I was done with putting band-aids on this wound and we needed to get to the root of this issue and help his body to heal. So we prayed about it and I felt led to reach out to Dr. Landry. So I got him in the office and Dr. Landry was able to explain to me how Atlas's body was stuck in a state of trauma and every time he bumped his knee or tripped or even swam for too long, he was triggering a stress response that convinced his tissues that the original injury had just happened. We did get an x-ray to confirm that there were no old fractures and then over the course of the next couple of months, we met every week or every other week so that Dr. Landry could gently manipulate his tissues. He was so helpful at getting us in on short-term notice anytime we felt like his joints needed to be addressed right away as part of his healing process. And then the swelling started coming down, his pain levels decreased, and he started walking normally again. Atlas also received prayer in church, after which he had another leap of progress, and Dr. Landry gave me some guidance on what actions to look for in herbs to support bone and tissue healing, which we faithfully stuck to. And in what seemed like a very short period of time, Atlas made a ton of progress and it has now been several months with no pain, no swelling, no limping, and no treatments necessary. He's even had a number of minor injuries since then, as all kids do, and he has not reverted. I think his body has finally learned that it's okay to move on. Our family is super grateful for Dr. Landry's work. And since his work with Atlas, it has been my pleasure to refer clients to him as needed and to offer assistance in choosing herbs for some of his own patients. And today I get to introduce you to him. So without further ado, enjoy the show. 
Welcome, Dr. Landry, to the show. I am so thankful that you are here today, and I'm really excited that we get to have this conversation. And I am really excited to be able to introduce you to my listeners. And to just to get started right off the bat, I would love to know what your origin story is and what drew you to the field of osteopathic medicine in the first place. So um, growing up, I did a fair amount of sports, um, and I was always kind of taller and heavier than everybody else. Um, so, uh, I had a lot of injuries and, uh, whether, you know, um, I got like permanent nerve damage in my knee from football, I, you know, trashed my shoulder, uh, bowling, hurt my wrist, boxing, I, I had, and I did a lot of jujitsu and, uh, actually went to pro wrestling school while I was in medical school. Um, so I've been thoroughly beat up. Um, so what happened, uh, the only doctor that really helped me growing up with growing pains and injuries was uh, Dr. John Reeder, who was uh, locally here, who's a chiropractor. And uh, I had started seeing him uh, sometime around six, seven years old. And, um, and then I ended up, I was in high school with his daughter, and I was at his house one day for her birthday party or something. And I was in high school, and I was talking to him, and I said, hey, I'm looking at being a doctor. Um, and I was thinking I'd probably want to be a chiropractor. I said, because you're the only one that really helped a lot growing up. But I said, no offense, and people always say that before they offend you, um, but there's, I said, I still think there's something missing. And he's like, what do you mean? And I said, there's a role for manipulation, there's a role for medications, there's a role for injections, there's a role for vaccines, um, or, or any other treatment modality that you can think of. I said, so do I become a chiropractor, so I can do manual stuff, and then go to MD school, become an MD, and I can make my own thing up? Because I didn't know what the DO was. He's like, no, he's like, if I would have known better, you could do this, you could be an osteopath and do everything. And I was like 15 and I said, okay, I'll do that. That's literally how that discussion went. Wow. And he actually wrote a letter of recommendation for me to go to the med school. Um, I still see him all the time. He lives in my neighborhood. So, you know, and uh, my kids play with his grandkids. Uh, our dogs all play together. Um, so it was just, uh, it kind of, you know, I understood the manual approach and I understood the value of, 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 of certain supplements and, and vitamins and nutrition and, and the power of the body to heal itself when, when obstructions are removed. Um, but there's still, you know, you know, there's not going to be that many supplements that are going to cure your gallstones. You need surgery. You sure. get a giant herniated disc that's crushing your nerve root. I don't care how much yoga you do. Most people, it's probably not going to go away. You, 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 need, you, you need that cut out. You, you know what I mean? So that's the thing I really like about being an osteopath and what drew me to it is most of the doctors that I worked with that were just wanted to be osteopaths had kind of that same question. They're like, okay, this rolfing is important. Massage is important. All this stuff works. Acupuncture works. Um, how can we put it all together? And the only profession that really tries to put it all together and kind of integrate that is, you know, what Dr. Still wanted, uh, you know, but he created as osteopathic medicine. And I, I think it, there's so much more power to what we can do and offer patients. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's so awesome that you started off at such a young age, knowing exactly what you wanted to do. And I find that some of the most passionate people in this world of holistic medicine is that they had a personal reason for doing what they do and for you to have that background where you understand where a lot of your patients are coming from because you've been there, that's a really important integral piece to your practice, I'm sure. Yeah, and that's one thing I tell people too because if I'm trying to explain to them, uh, we've done this, but maybe you need an injection or maybe you need a lift to balance your pelvis out. And um, I, I, I tell people 90 plus percent of what I do to a patient, I've had done to me. Yeah. I've either had to do it to myself because I couldn't find anybody to do it or um, I, I've had done to me. So, you know, and it wasn't one thing that even I had another medical student here a little while ago and he was sort of the same thing and not to kind of disparage like the MD world, but a lot of them that go into MD, medical school is expensive and especially the younger crowd that go into school, it, bump into these guys and they're like, oh, what'd you do this summer? And they were like, oh, we were at my dad's cabin in here, and then we spent the month in Switzerland, and we went here, and I had a couple cases like that, and even in my class, where they were doing that stuff, that was their, you know, summer break, or the Christmas break, they were at their family's chalet in Aspen, 
And they're like, what'd you do? I'm like, I was cutting nudie calendars in Geiger Brothers. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, yeah. I, you know, I, I put books together. For, I was working in a factory. I put books together for the Senate. I was making date planners and girls with summer, bikini summer desktop calendars. Um, you know, so that I, lifestyle just did not feel accessible. Yeah. So I, you know, my mom worked at Burger King in the mill. My dad was a dental tech. I mean, there was, there was no money in my family. I mean, all my, most of my family were shoe shop workers, uh, mill workers. Um, I worked in factories, um, like the med student that I had with me, he worked in restaurants. It's a completely different thought process and it, you can relate with patients better. Yeah. And I find, and that's one thing about the osteopathic schools, they tend to really want the non-traditional person. They want, they usually try to choose an older uh, student that was probably something else before. And some of them were drug reps, some of them were nurses, some were PTs. But a lot of them, I mean, we had one guy in my class who was a lobsterman, uh, you know, and decided to go to medical school. That's awesome. So when you have people like that, you can relate to patients better. When someone comes in and say, I was working on a skitter, I'm like, I've been on a skitter. I know what you were doing. You know what I mean? Most doctors can't say that. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I, I've driven forklifts, uh, you know, uh, once, but it was an experience, but I can do it. I, I You know, um, so when I have someone that got injured doing something like that, I have a better understanding of the mechanics of what happened. Sure. Um, sure. I've had patients that were uh, uh, competitive jiu-jitsu players. And they'd go to the doctor after they hurt their arm or their shoulder, and the doctor would be like, well, just stop doing that. They're like, well, I really want to do it. Right. And then they come to me, and they're like, yeah, I hurt my shoulder in jiu-jitsu, and I'm like, what were you doing? And they're like, oh, we're doing this kind of move. I'm like, oh, you're doing omoplata. There was, this is what happened to your shoulder. This is the forces. And they're like, huh? You know what that is? I'm like, I hurt my shoulder doing it, so I get it. And so all of a sudden, I have like 15 jiu-jitsu people coming in the office because I wasn't telling them to stop. I was trying to help them find a way to keep doing what they wanted to do. Right. And that's... That's what, really important yeah. to a lot of people, for sure. So I've seen on your blog that you've been educating people on how an osteopathic doctor helps people and how that's different from working with a medical doctor. Could you share the basics of what an osteopathic doctor is, what sets them apart, and what issues people commonly see you for? So um, most of what I do... So osteopaths are... Fully licensed physicians. So in the country, there's only two groups of fully licensed physicians, osteopaths, DOs, and MDs. Um, so that we can do surgery, we can deliver babies, we can be a primary care doctor, we, we can do... But the nice thing about being an osteopath, we're also trained in manipulation like the chiropractors. Um, and there's even more techniques that we do, and it's a different way of approaching uh, the body than even what the chiropractors tend to do. Um, so... It, it, we're not looking just at a single joint restriction. We're looking at what the, what the connective tissue is doing. What's the blood flow? What's the lymphatics doing? What's all the part, the whole part of the body doing? And how is that changing in the area? All right. Sorry about that little bit of an interruption there. We had a surprise visit from the radio. <laughs> and uh, so you were telling me, Dr. Landry, about uh, how an osteopathic doctor works and some things that set them apart, uh, and issues that people commonly see you for. So would you continue on that, please? Right. So a lot of people think oh, automatically it's just back pain, because um, you know they, they think we're like the same as a chiropractor and stuff, and I don't do just back pain. I do uh, a lot of, um, that's probably a good percentage of what I do, but I do migraines, I address vertigo, uh, back pain issues during pregnancy, uh, ear infections for kids, uh, tons. Of, my my favorite thing to do is pretty much a lot of sports injuries or or work related injuries. Um, you know, I'll see the you know the captain of the football team for Lewiston all day. You know what I mean? It's it. I don't. I'm just saying that example. Um, you know, any kids like that? They one or two visits, get them back playing. You can you can fix them pretty well. Uh, I'm trying to make some other connections with some other teams. Uh, to to work with them. Um. There's a lot we could do for that. So uh, I've had people with just foot pain, ankle pain, shoulder pain. That's someone he never told me he had shoulder pain um, uh, for like three months. And they were setting up an orthopedic surgeon and everything. And uh, he's like, well, maybe you can do something, but it's my shoulder. And he said, like, well, it hurts when I do this. And I moved his shoulder, articulated it, and he never had the pain again. Didn't have to go see the orthopedic surgeon. Didn't have to wow. do anything. Um, so uh, there's a lot of things that I can do. 
Um, and the big thing is I don't do, do manipulation. I'm trained in uh, spinal injections. I don't do them anymore simply because of my new location. I don't have access to x-ray, but I do ultrasound guided injections. I do trigger point injections. I can do the standard, you know, cortisone shot that everybody's used to uh, or hears about. Um, and the problem is those are way overused in my opinion. Uh, and the new studies are showing that they are overused and, and can lead to problems in the long run. So it's still a very important tool, but it's an important tool that has been overused and needs to be used less, but it still has a role. And I try to really pick and choose who gets that, um, and, you know, based on their findings and look at other options. Uh, one of the things I really love to do is PRP, which stands for platelet-rich plasma. Um, and I can handle a lot of different issues with that. And, you know, tennis elbow, golfer's elbow, uh, knee injuries. Uh, one of the things that I've been seeing a lot of lately, uh, two things actually, adhesive capsulitis. So adhesive capsulitis is when your shoulder, uh, all the connective tissue in your shoulder joint kind of scars up and tightens up and you can't move your shoulder. And it can be very limiting for some people, especially if they're dominant hand and they suddenly have only a few degrees of motion in their shoulder. And the, the traditional world is a steroid shot, uh, extensive physical therapy, which frequently hurts. And then if that doesn't work, uh, they knock you out uh, under surgery and move your shoulder. Uh, and I've actually watched the shoulder break in the middle of the procedure being wow. done uh, because the scar tissue is so bad. Um, I've been getting amazing results, one to three rounds of PRP. Unfortunately, insurance doesn't cover it, but I've had um, uh, people so PRP, you're explaining, is platelet-rich plasma, and you've been having a lot of success with that. Yes. Uh, and using it for things like the shoulder injuries. Right. Um, and what other situations do you use that for? Another one that's been really good is uh, uh, knee problems, especially like meniscus tears in the knee. Uh, so everybody thinks, oh, i got a torn meniscus, I need surgery. And if the knee is really locking, like you have to literally grab your leg and move it to make it, uh, move again uh, to unstick it yeah you probably need surgery uh, but most people uh, with a lot of injuries you have a partial or incomplete tear so it causes pain it makes your knee feel unstable but it does it, you probably don't need surgery one of the worst things you can do and what they with the traditional you know orthopedic surgeon world is going to do is give you a steroid shot fine it's going to numb it up and it's going to stop the inflammation but what you just did is you stopped your body's ability to try to heal and the problem with an area like like the meniscus and the knee, there's not a lot of blood flow. So it's a, it is an area that's very hard for your body to heal. And then you just rip the rug out from under it. Um, so it can't do anything. What uh, PRP does is we draw your blood, spin it down, remove the red blood cells, and then concentrate the growth factors uh, that are in your system. And that's what your body tries to do anyway when it gets hurt. That's why you, you, know, you sprain your ankle, your ankle swells up. It's because your body's trying to come in and clean it. And then we automatically take ibuprofen uh, to stop the inflammatory process uh, so it doesn't hurt. But the problem is, is you shut off the healing process. The steroid shot does the same thing. What I've been doing, and I've had several people just in the last couple of months, they have something called a Baker's cyst. And the Baker's cyst is a cyst that forms in the knee, usually in the, in the posterior aspect, so in the back part of the knee, uh, uh, and it can be uncomfortable and it limits your range of motion. Usually the cyst is there because there is a small tear in the, one of the meniscus of the knee. So I can usually see it, if it's big enough, I can see it on ultrasound. I have ultrasound in the office and um, I can look at it under ultrasound and see it. So what I'll do is, if the patient wants to do it, and this part is covered by insurance, is I can, do, I can drain the cyst out. So I drain the cyst, get the fluid out of there, give it a day or two to kind of just calm down. Um, and then patient comes back and we do PRP into the knee. And I've seen if it's, you know, small to moderate tears uh, and people are doing the exercises they need to do, I've seen those tears close up uh, and not need surgery. Wow. I've had people with labral tears, so the, the capsule and the cup around the hip or in the shoulder tears told they needed surgery, there's not a blood, enough blood flow. Uh, I see the tear under ultrasound, I put the PRP in it, and it literally closed up the tears without surgery. Uh, it doesn't happen with everybody, but I see it as for most people, it's worth a risk, you know, two, three shots versus, uh, especially a shoulder or hip, it's six months to a year before you're remotely back to normal if you have surgery. 
Right, rather than automatically going into the surgery or looking at some right. lower risk options beforehand. Right, and if it works, great. If it doesn't, yeah. you gambled uh, a few hundred dollars versus you you just you're out of work for six months to a year at a twenty thirty thousand dollars surgery. Right, right. I think after this, everybody's gonna want to come and see you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And um, so earlier we were talking about how osteopathic medicine, it really is a wonderful combination of what standard medicine can offer and what more holistic approaches can offer. But I feel like there is still a lot of education that needs to happen around osteopathic care and what that can do for people. So is there, are there any common myths that you're aware of about your profession that you would like to use this opportunity to clear up? Um, there's a couple, so some they're like, oh, we're just kind of overpaid chiropractors, um, and that's not true. Um, there, there's a lot more we can do and have to offer. Uh, the other, the, probably the two biggest things is people see it as, oh, you're an osteopath, so you're more educated than a chiropractor, but if I need, if I'm really sick, I need to go to an MD. And it's like, no, actually, when you look at it, um, from the standard education thing is the same. Uh, for MDs and DOs, and we get the manipulation and things on top of that. Um, and especially from an, when you look at the human body, you need to know the anatomy. Um, there's literally medical MD schools cutting their anatomy programs by half. Oh, um, my word. So, like, you have to do, you could do upper or lower extremity, and then you can do head and neck anatomy or thorax, abdomen, and pelvis. You don't even need to learn all the anatomy to be an MD anymore, okay? So, That's and I'm not shocking. saying that to try to trash the MDs, but when I heard that, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. So we've got the, especially I went to University of New England College of Osteopathic Medicine. And at the time, the only school that had more anatomy than us was the PhD anatomy program in Germany. Um, so there, we have a lot more tools. And when you come in as a structural physical being, you need to have the structure addressed and to just say, oh, your knee hurts, let's just throw some steroid in it, or your, your back hurts, here's some Oxycontin, or here's some Gabapentin. Um, why don't we look at something else to try to fix it? And then people go, I went to my MD, and they just wanted to give me a prescription. Because like, that's all they can do. Mm. Okay? And, and, and there's roles for that. There's absolutely, like, I just someone's back was in so much spasm, I couldn't really do anything. So I'm like, here's a muscle relaxant, come back in a few days. You know, and that's what I like about being an osteopath too, is I can, I can do both. You come in and I'm like, you know, I, I can handle whatever needs to be done as far as around that injury. Um, and, and the other problem is that people think, and, and that was partly the DO's world fault because they were trying to get students, um, you're only a DO because you couldn't get into MD school. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and that may have happened for some people. But now the, the require and now all the training programs emerge, it's all one big program now. The MD and DO schools are technically different, but the residency training programs are now only seen by one governing body. It's all the same thing. Um and, wow. and if you're an MD and you want to do manipulation, then you have to go and do all the osteopathic stuff while you're in training. Um and there's some of them that are actually doing that because they, they see the value in it. And um so that so I never wanted to be an MD. Well, you know what I mean? Once I want, once I learned about what an osteopath was, that's what I wanted to be because how else can you re- address the body both structurally and chemically um, because there's a role for both. And um, uh, so, and the nice thing about most of the osteopaths that I've worked with, most of them wanted to be an osteopath. They didn't want to be anything else. A lot of them were, had other careers. We tend to be more open-minded to, to acupuncture, to herbalism, I had a patient come in saying she told her doctor that she went to get Reiki and he laughed at her, insulted her, told her she was getting ripped off and uh, she left there in tears. And I said, I've seen it work. Uh, you know, so if, if even if it, something's not working, if it's not causing harm, you don't disparage the patient for trying it if they're trying to take responsibility for themselves and try to do something that isn't drugs or, or, or whatever. Um, so people come in, they're like, oh, I want Reiki, I want this, I want that. And I said, I don't do that, but I know some people, or you can, you know, or if you give me some names, I can ask someone to be like, who would you go to? You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, and, and that's what I do, and that's sort of how we met, too. I mean, I've worked with herbalists, I've worked with naturopaths, 
Um, I've actually been trained by naturopaths in functional medicine. I'm certified in that as well. Um, it's not any by any means the main point of my practice, but I'm at least familiar with it. And now I know other people that do functional medicine. So if you want it, I can send you there. Right. And that's definitely something that I really appreciate what I've seen from you in both working with our family and also professionally, um, because that, I feel like that is just, uh, it's too rare just to have that respect for the, the patient and the efforts that they are making. Um, because it's almost like at this point in time, you know, it's so difficult to find a doctor who will listen that when you find them, you know, you, you want to keep going and keep seeing them. Um, so earlier we talked about uh, the lymphatics and circulation and you were talking about getting things moving in the body. Could you talk a little bit more about the order of healing as far as, you know, for example, if someone comes in, you know, after having had an accident or they have an old injury, step by step, what are you looking for in the healing process? So the big thing that I do is this is where I sort of, you know, turn into a construction worker. Um, it's about building the foundation. Right. So I want to see what's off. So especially the first couple of visits, my approach is fairly similar for everybody. And then I fine tune and just what I do based on how your body changes to what I did. Um, that's why I don't do multiple times a week, um, because you don't have time for the uh, body to recover from any changes that we made. Um, that's really a business model that other people are taught, um, it, it, you know, I do once a week sometimes. Most of the time I do every two weeks. It's a good range, you know, once a week or once every other week for a couple visits to see how the foundation is and what the base is. Because if the base isn't stable, no matter what I do to anything else, it's not going to work. So if I see a couple times and the strain pattern is the same, it's not changing no matter what I do, whether I change technique or change the order uh, of what I do, uh, and that doesn't change and I look I'm like do we need to get some imaging or do you have a leg that's actually a little bit shorter than the other or more commonly there's something called sacral base unleveling so the sacrum is the bone in the pelvis that the spine sits on and it basically sits in a hammock of ligaments uh, it's not just this fused thing so that can go off in an injury and also when you're growing can develop off and so even if we took a tape measure and me or a laser and measured your legs, your legs would be the same length, but when you stand up, there's a five millimeter difference on one side to the other, so your spine is constantly off. No matter what I'm gonna do to you for most injuries, it's not gonna get better because the foundation's off. You're gonna get out of here and you, you're gonna walk right off it. You know, I tell people, I'm like, here's the example. Go walk on the sidewalk, one foot up on the sidewalk, the other foot on the road, um, you're going to hurt and, and it's going to undo everything that happens. So when someone comes in the first couple of visits, I want to stabilize the base. Then I start looking, what's the tissue feel like? Is it congested? Is it tender? Is it, you feel like nodules? People are like, yeah, I have these bumps in my back and they, they see the massage therapist, they work on them and they go away, but then they come back and they hurt like crazy. That's a sign to me of ligament damage. So either from the injury or something, the ligament or the tendons damaged, there's inflammation in there. Um, that's where I change my techniques a little bit to try to drain that. If it comes back, then I'm like, okay, you're a candidate for PRP. We need to go in there and repair those ligaments because you can go to physical therapy and stretch those muscles all day. But if the muscles that share an attachment or attach onto that ligament, the ligament's injured, the muscle cannot fire properly. So until you repair the ligament or tendon, in the area, um, no amount of stretching or exercising is going to work. So, so that's my thought process. And people are like, oh, I have a trigger point, and the doctor injected my trigger point every three months. They inject my trigger points, they go away, they come back. Well, if the trigger point in your muscle keeps coming back, it's because the tendon of that muscle or an, a shared attachment is injured. We need to repair that, and then the muscle can fire properly. Uh, and then you train. I've had so many people, 12, you know, 15, 20 visits with, with uh, physical therapy, a very good physical therapist, and the patient was very compliant, did everything they're supposed to do and know better, and I see them once or twice balance things out than they've had differently, maybe do one or two rounds of PRP, then they go back to the physical therapist, they have three to five visits and they're all better. Right. Because now the exercises and everything the physical therapist is trying to do can work, and y you don't need to be going all that. 
Right. My goal is to not see you forever. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to get you in here and then see you forever. My goal is most people, three to five visits for most injuries, I should have a big dent. Yeah. Uh, some people take longer because it's a chronic issue or they need other things. But, uh, and then after that, I'll see you when you need to and just, you know, send other people over to say, hey, this guy didn't waste my time. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Okay, so going to a different aspect of trauma, because there is there are more things that cause trauma besides physical injuries. A lot of the people who come to see me have had a history of emotional, mental trauma, and newer research coming out is indicating that a lot of those memories are stored in the fascia. And I've known for a long time that a lot of the emotional and mental traumas that happen to us are stored in the body. I mean, there's whole books written about that. And I've seen that happen. I have one particular loved one who uh, was in a traumatic car accident. And so she healed from the, the, the physical trauma, but the emotional trauma stuck with her for many years. And it was a massage therapist who helped her to let go of that. And so I just find it so fascinating that even if there's no physical explanation, you know, a, a doctor might say, no, there's nothing wrong with you. We've taken the x-ray. We've done all these things. But there's still pain and there's still damage that's coming from the emotion. So do you, uh, ha- can you speak to that as far as like, you know, if someone comes to you who's had that sort of trauma, how do you help them to release that? Yeah. I found that a lot, actually. And I, I think of it a couple different ways. And, and this is where I kind of go into like some of the alternative, you know, uh, more of the alternative world, too. But to try to keep it more in the strictly, you know, physical kind of thing, I tell people, I'm like, look, every thought in our brain is an electrical and chemical impulse. And yeah, there's a blood-brain barrier, but those um, chemicals that are released, the the hormones in your brain, the, the, you know, the GABA and the serotonin and all the stuff that we have for, and dopamine, all the stuff that we have that are involved with with love and sex and and happiness and, and sadness all happen in the brain, but they circulate throughout the body. The tissue doesn't know what to do with that, okay? So your brain may know, um, and sometimes it can't tell either, um, but there's still a physical response to an emotional trauma. You know, if, if it's a surprise and someone comes to tell you, say, hey, your mother was just in a car accident and she got killed, your instant response is, if <gasps> for a lot of people. So... Yeah, and it's in that, okay, now what just happened is your heart just skipped a few beats, your diaphragm just slammed into your belly, and your ribs just locked up. And then all of a sudden this person's like, I've got back pain, neck pain, and headaches. Mm-hmm. And, and it may be five years later, and they don't know. And then all of a sudden I'm like, what the hell happened five years ago? And then, and then I'm like, and then I start, so then I start addressing those areas that were likely to respond based on that injury. And then sure enough, when I've had it, it had it happen with, uh, was a friend of mine that was a med student with, she was a year behind me and she had thoracic pain for years and they could never figure it out. All the imaging was fine. Everything was good. And I start working on her. I'm like, what the heck happened? And then I, I was just like, this is emotional. And then literally she started talking about her father was a fisherman. He came home from fishing and dropped dead of a heart attack on the couch in front of her when she was 14. And she got counseling for that. But there was still a physical response. So now I'm seeing her in her 40s and with 30 years of thoracic pain. And as she's talking to me, the whole area released. And then I treated her one more time and the pain never came back. Wow. So you you need to have those conversations. And sometimes it's rough. And the hard part in, in the insurance world, you get anything over five to ten minutes with your doctor and they're losing money. Uh, and, and, and But so to try to distill that down and handle that down in a few minutes, I've taken people through rapes. I've taken people through um, surgeries that were, were uh, traumatic um, and just hit the tissue just right. I'll, or, or I'll work on something and then they'll be like, and if they get more comfortable with me, they'll be like, uh, you worked on this. And then I had nightmares for two nights. Uh, and I'm like, okay, so that's where this was coming from. Mm. And that's when I, you know, recently sent someone to you too. And it's like, 
I can do the physical stuff, but the it just keeps coming back. So there's got to be an emotional uh, issue. There's got to be, or and then how can we hit it? You know, in a mix of counseling versus versus uh, herbals uh, versus acupuncture. Um, you know, all these have a role in helping to release that. And you have to acknowledge that. I've had so many patients come in there like, oh, this happened and my doctor said it's a lot of crap. And I'm like, no, it's not. And then we really, like we were talking about before uh, we started recording, um, as I've really looked at things and looked at it anatomically, you know, people will say, oh, chakras don't exist and that's not real and the, and the whole thing. Well, if you look at where the sh- most of the chakras are, uh, they're in areas of nerve plexuses. They're in areas where the nerves are all meeting in this one spot. So just because, you know, one culture decided to say it's energy and it's the heart chakra, well, yeah, it's your heart and the vagus nerve and all the sympathetics and parasympathetics around it. Right. Um, you you know, the, the pelvic chakras are all around all the sacral plexus of the nerves. Uh, I'm, I'm like, they're all related. And when I've done dry needling on people, I haven't been fully trained in, in, in acupuncture and meridians, but most of them that I've seen, I've started placing needles and started looking at the maps and I'm like, well, this fascial strain is the same as this shot, as this uh, meridian. And I'm like, well, they just called it an energy flow meridian when it's really just a fascial strain uh, or, or it's the way the body grew. Um, really learning a lot in embryology really starts telling you helping you integrate where all this stuff is so when someone says oh you you know the reiki doesn't work or it's not real or or, you know the chakra stuff is is crap um it's not it's just different ways of explaining something in most cases that is there right different a different language for the same same thing thing. yeah absolutely so in looking at the wide variety of people and circumstances and things you've had experience with are there certain habits that you think would be very supportive in general for people that they can practice on a regular basis to help uh, restore balance in their bodies when the biggest thing that people don't do is drink water Mm. (laughs) um that's number one hydration is key good water um you know i i have a i use a the Niken magnetic filtration system that sits on these, you know, stones, mineral stones out of Korea or something. Um, but since I switched to that, I've gotten really most of my allergy meds or a lot of other health issues, really trying to pay attention to hydration. The other thing, even though it's very difficult for me to do, which is means I need to do it more, it is a practice like yoga. Um, and you hear about it so much on TV shows and, and, and even medical journals now, the whole bit. The core tenets of yoga and that exercise um, and body weight exercise is so hugely important. I tell people the more they do on their own, the less they need to see me. Mm-hmm. Um, and if if you can do something like that, the two big things is, is, is a regular, whether you want to call it yoga or whatever else, a regular core training program with some flexibility that involves some body weight. You don't need to be a body lifter, a bodybuilder. You don't need to be lifting tons of heavy weights. That's what I used to like to do. I used to, I didn't really compete, but I used to do a lot of power lifting. I went to pro wrestling school. I'm more of a crash bang kind of guy. So for me to do yoga is horribly painful, which means I need to do it more. Um, but for most people, addressing the core and staying hydrated will save so much people always worry about the cost of healthcare, and the first thing they try to do is attack the drug companies attack the 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 doctors um uh, for things and reality is the major cost to healthcare is personal lifestyle choice yes it's smoking it's drinking it's not exercising it's highly processed foods it's all those chemicals that we have it you know, diabetes and heart disease and cancers are a bigger cause. And except for, you know, certain genetic conditions, you know, type 1 diabetic, you, sorry, you, that happened. Um, but, to, you know, you know, and certain cancers that are clearly genetic. Um, but most of them are what we've exposed ourselves to and done to ourselves. So really trying to do a whole foods based approach uh, and, and a holistic approach to care 
and a regular exercise program and a regular hydration, it's not 100% perfect. If you have the, the breast cancer gene, you're probably still going to get breast cancer, but you're going to recover better when we treat it. Um, and I'm a big fan of, uh, you know, I try to see it as we still need the, the blunt weapon. We need the chemotherapy. We need that stuff for, for these things. Um, but we also need to detox ourselves from those chemicals. Sure. Right. So if, if you, you, you have metastatic breast cancer and you get your surgery and you, you and you do the whole realm of, of chemotherapy, you want to work with an herbalist or, or a naturopath that has familiarity because some of the supplements and, and, and herbs and stuff you use will counteract the, the chemo. You don't want to necessarily do those while you're doing the chemo. But when you're done the chemotherapy, you want that crap out of your system because it's going to cause problems later. Right. So, like, I had a friend of mine, his wife was diagnosed with 35, metastatic breast cancer. Um, I was in the x-ray department when it came in, and I saw him out in the waiting room, and I'm, they're showing me this x-ray, well, the uh, CAT scan, and they're like, this woman's screwed. And I look at it, and I'm like, oh, no. And it's like my best friend and his wife sitting out in the waiting room. And he was a doctor. And um, so we called him in. And they came out back and worked with the radiologist, and they had so this way they didn't have to wait a whole week before they got the results. Um, but then they came up with a game plan, and she did the mastectomy, she did the chemo, she did the radiation. Um, but then she worked with an acupuncturist and herbalist, and she got acupuncture the whole time she was getting everything. And there was some herbs that the the herbalist knew was safe to do with the chemo she was doing. They said she'd never have kids, she'd never be able to do this. Um, she did a full year detox with the acupuncturist and the herbalist. She's got four perfectly healthy boys. Wow. Um, she's since had no, then. since then and, and no, um, recurrence of, uh, cancer or anything. So, you know, I, I, you know, a lot of people want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. They're like, well, I just want to do the drugs and I don't want this natural stuff is crap. Other people are like, well, the drugs are dangerous. I don't want to take them. Uh, I'm just gonna do this herbal thing. Eh, for certain things you can do that. Absolutely. But for other things, no. Unfortunately, I, I see it as, especially being an osteopath, uh, uniquely trained to really look at it. You need both. How are we going to put it together? Right. They're not, you know, some people refer to natural medicine as alternative, but really we're learning that it's more complementary, mm-hmm. that these are, you know, with the, with the chemo, with the herbs, with the acupuncture work, uh, with the osteopathic manipulation, they're all filling gaps for each other and work together cohesively to support people in you know the mo- most holistic way possible. Exactly. For sure. And a lot of times we got to start arguing certain points when we're really, like that book you were talking about, it just breaks down. We A lot of times we're using different language to describe the same thing. And if we just shut up and looked at it and stopped arguing and trying to stick with some... You know, we, we need to get, you know, you know, Biden, Pelosi and everybody else in here about this <laughs> is is, you know, you've got to um, stop going off ideals and and kind of seeing what you have in common and why um, and, and working together. Absolutely. Um, and, and that's the way I was kind of always taught. Um, you know, a lot of people that do the manual stuff that I do only do certain techniques. They only do one thing. And um, a couple of the doctors that trained me were just like, you want more tools in your drawer. And, and that makes you better than everybody else. And that's what I've tried to do. And I tried to find the expert in, you know, more something called HBLA, high velocity, low amplitude treatment, where it's the snap, crackle, pop stuff. All right, so there's a couple of doctors I worked with. These guys were masters. They, they could crack your neck from your toe and it didn't hurt, okay? Um, I worked with them and then I worked with the, the, the guy who developed the biodynamic model and he trained me and stuff. And, um, I'm like, and I, I look at that and then I worked with people that just do counter strain and all these other techniques and they're like the masters in one thing and they just do that one thing. And I'm like, well, I'd rather be a jack of all trains and a master of a couple, uh, you know, and you can do a lot more. And I've had some patients come in. I'm like, you know what? You're out of my lane for you're responding to this technique. I'm pretty good at this technique, but this doctor's better. That's all they do. Why don't you go see them? Yeah. Um, and I've done that for people. Uh, and then and, they do that for you. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because they're like, this person needs an injection or this person needs to get crunched and I don't do it, so they send them to me. Right, <laughs> right. So 
uh, you were talking about uh, a book that we had discussed earlier, which was called Vitalism, which I've mentioned on the podcast before. But I'm curious to know what health-related book or website or podcast or other resource that you value that you would refer to listeners or patients of your own? Um, there's one that we have here, uh, Waking the Tiger, Healing Trauma. So that goes with what we talked about before. Um, it's been a long time that I, uh, since I've read it, but um, that's one. But really what I try to tell people to do is, especially when they're coming in with medical questions, is you Google stuff and everything's gonna tell you you're gonna die or everything's fake or every so what I always look at I don't go to WebMD I don't go that I usually work if I'm looking up something online because it's a it's a diagnosis I don't remember or never heard of or a drug I don't know I either go to the Mayo Clinic website or Cleveland Clinic website and kind of stick with those so you you come in to see your doctor and you have this clip from some completely random website that says you know termite farts caused your cancer you know i um your doctor's not going to take that well uh if you really want to understand something and and fortunately mo a lot of the mayo clinic stuff some of it may be pretty hard to read but there's a good chunk of it that most people can read and kind of get a better understanding so i i try to hit uh like i said a mayo clinic or a cleveland clinic when you have a, especially if you're looking at you have some diagnosis you have a you know rheumatoid arthritis or you have you know any other condition ms and you're really trying to understand it better i really try to send people to the very straight up hardcore researched medical sites uh and then even some of those you have to take into uh, with a grain of salt and really it's hard because people don't understand the data or how the data comes through either i i you know within two weeks i got an article that was emailed to me from the American Osteopathic Association that said, oh, PRP for knee arthritis is amazing, and it does all this stuff, and it has a link to this article. And then two weeks later, get one that it's like, uh, it, it's it's completely useless and shouldn't be used for anything. And I'm like, huh? You know, but then I started looking at the research, and one of, uh, and the one that said it was good may have been blown up a little bit, but it wasn't really off. It was it was more accurate to real data. But the other one was done by a group of orthopedic surgeons, and they mixed mm. the PRP with Marcaine, which is a numbing medication. But Marcaine specifically is toxic to the growth factors in the PRP. So they put out a paper that said it doesn't work because they killed it before they did anything. Wow. So if you don't, whether they did it on purpose or not, who knows? But um, they, if they didn't do it on purpose, it means they don't understand their medicines that they mixed with. So um, that's why it didn't work, is they killed it before they... So, But it doesn't come out that way. When you look at the abstract and you look at the article, it says, oh, we shouldn't be doing it, it doesn't work. Well, why? And then you break it down, it's because they ruined it. So, you know, the... Unfortunately, most of the, the you know, Cleveland Clinic, Mayo Clinic, those places will clean that up. And, and they have hopefully someone on there that's smart enough to realize that that was wrong <laughs> um, to, to take that out. But for most things, not just Googling every website to try to find something that you think matches you just because you can read it. Really try to stick with a couple really solid. And WebMD isn't bad. Um, uh, but, um, I try to stick with those to really help people understand their medical conditions better. Absolutely. So not everyone who listens, uh, to this podcast is local, but quite a few of them are. So are you accepting patients right now? And if so, mm-hmm. uh, how could people reach out to you to become a new patient of yours? So, uh, LandryHealthcare.com. I am taking new patients. Uh, I take most insurances. Um, some stuff I do isn't covered by insurance, but we cross that bridge when we get there. Um, but, uh, I don't take main care. Um, uh, and there's a couple, and I don't take well care. Uh, but almost everything else I'm currently taking, uh, there may be a few random ones, um, that I don't know about that if, unless they're owned by Anthem or owned by United, uh, I can't do it, but the big ones, Anthem, Aetna, Harvard Pilgrim, uh, United, uh, community health options, um, I do take all those. Uh, the biggest thing I try to tell people, um, because of COVID, uh, referral departments have been destroyed in hospitals, right? So if your doctor's, you know, owned by a hospital and you need a referral, 
uh, or or you'd say and they want to get a referral, some of them are taking three plus weeks to get to me. So if you look at your insurance card and it says HMO, you need a referral. So, I, I, you know, we got to do that. But if this is a PPO or POS, those don't need a referral. So if you got back pain, migraines, headaches, elbow pain, knee pain, hip pain, ankle, uh, whatever, um, you can just call and schedule an appointment. Awesome. And um, I can do that. And then I do have family discounts for people who are uninsured. I offer like a membership package. Some people want the once a month treatment uh, to just stay healthy and things like that. And they don't have insurance that'll cover it. Um, I do a package for an individual or family that you pay most of it for a year. And then it's just $40 a visit uh, over and above that uh, annual membership fee. Um, I try to do that to keep it as affordable as possible for people as well. So you've created a lot of options for people to be able to work with you regardless of their income and their situation. Yeah, and yeah. we take care credit. The only hard part is if you do have main care, I still can't take you for cash because main care does cover it, but they don't really. Right. So that that's that's where it's hard. Um, but pre uh, but pretty much everything else, um, is they're a pain to deal with, but I can work with. So your website is Landry. Healthcare.com. Okay, and yeah. people can sign up through your website or should they yeah, call you? It's better if you can call us okay. uh, 207-241-0401. Um, it's better if you can call, but if you want to email, just it doesn't ask for all your information. What happens is people email me without their number, and then frequently when I reply back to their email, it may go to their spam folder. Okay. So, uh, and then I never hear from them or whatever. I don't know if you got it or not. So if you do click on the website to contact, add your phone number, say, my name is this, here's my phone number, call me when you can. Um, that works. So I don't have full-time staff. Um, I do have someone here part-time. Otherwise, it's me doing everything. So if you just call, leave a voicemail, because I'm, if I'm not answering, it's because I'm treating a patient already. Sure. Awesome. So I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day because I know you're very busy and seeing lots of patients right now. But is there one piece of advice or encouragement that you would like to leave with our listeners today? Uh, stay positive. Do what you can for yourself. Um, and like we said before, hydration, regular exercise, anything you do like that uh, is going to make a big difference. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here, Dr. Landry. Thank you for everyone listening today. Have a wonderful week. The Family Herbalism Podcast is created for educational purposes only. You are responsible for any and all medical and health decisions you choose to make. If you experience a medical emergency, please contact appropriate medical providers. To receive herbalist support, please visit www.laureltreewellnessllc.com. If you enjoy this podcast and find it helpful, please share it with your friends and family. Thank you for listening.